Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. everyone welcome back it is jay scott and it is the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast thanks again for tuning in we do appreciate when you stop by please don't forget to uh write us a review when you're done listening we do appreciate that as well we are part of the pantheon podcast network a great network of music related podcasts you can find them on pantheonpodcast.com and all social media apps at pantheon pods and they also host the official metallica podcast so it's great to be affiliated with them uh, just had Christian on the CEO and founder about why he started a music related podcast platform and how he partnered up with Metallica. So, uh, great conversation just about podcasting and about Pantheon. So please check that out. And you can also find the hook rocks wherever you do, uh, podcasts. So don't, don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you do listen and sub and, uh, and follow. Don't forget to check us out on all the social media apps at The Hook Rocks. We've had some great episodes to start the year off. We started off with our top 25 albums of 2023, so check out that two-part episode. We spoke with Joe Satriani, Todd Damakerns, The Gems, Tuck Smith, Scott Holiday of Rival Sons. We had a lot of great guests on the program in January, so check out all those episodes. And we've got another great episode for you today. It's one of my favorite bands that come along in the last several years, and they're from the north, not Wisconsin, but Michigan from the Chicago area, and that is Eva Marie from Eva Under Fire. What's happening, Eva? How are you? What's going on, man? Thank you so much for that powerful introduction. Yeah, I um, we are hailed from Detroit Rock City um, and, and still exist here in this cold, blustery winter. So. <laughs> Well, but you know, uh, we're excited because we've got some cool stuff upcoming, so we'll be warmer soon. Um, but thanks for having me. Absolutely. I, before I begin about the music, how is Detroit doing? I mean, the NFC championship was this past. No. You know what? I, I, there are some of us who are just heartbroken, right? And my, one of them is, is Rob, our guitar player and the, the guys. So the guys are. I mean, they're definitely kind of feeling it like that viral Eminem photo that went wild, right? Where he was like just flipping off everybody in Detroit versus everybody, which I get it. Okay. So like new situation equals new expectations. However, I am an optimist 
And we've not done some craziness like this since I've been on this planet, right? So it's been like, I don't know, 30 something years since the Detroit Lions did like anything, right? I think it was like 92 was the last time our football, like, you know, wins, losses looked anything remotely like what it does now. So, I mean, it is, it is disappointing, right? I mean, we were so close to, uh, way closer than I thought we would be, honestly. Like everybody was like, you know, this is a great team. Detroit's probably not going to stand up. Our, uh, our, our offense was killing it, but our defense sucked, right? (laughs) So like people are like, they're just going to run you all over the field. And like, it was close. It was close. And they did. So Rob's whole thing was they didn't go for the points they should have. They did not secure it. They did. They had, there was two field goal opportunities that they really needed to cinch and they didn't. Right. He was like super hypercritical and I get it. Right. Football fans, super hypercritical, but like, I'm a dreamer. Okay. And I gave on, I gave up on Detroit sports a long time ago. Like nothing has been so elating to me since like, the Red Wings, 1998. Okay. So it's been right. The Tigers have been blowing it. Like the last couple of years, the Red Wings have been blowing it. I was just planning on having to bring back Detroit Rock City on my own. Right. I was like, ah, I'm going to flex what I can. Um, I don't play sports, but like we can try to do something for the city. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well looking they, they pulled at, it out. It was a yeah, good season. I, I, I will say looking at the Detroit Lions fans in their just heartbreak, I've been there because I know it's not football, but being a cut lifelong Cub fan and oh, you know, yeah. 110 year drought and being close so many times and just having my heart drought. ripped out, you know, <laughs> I was looking at, I'm like, I've been there. I know what that yeah. feeling is like. It's such a horrible feeling. Cause I mean, we were up three games to one, I think in 2004, 2003 or 2004 mm-hmm. against the Marlins. We're like, we're going to the world series. We end up losing. And of course, 2016, we won, but man, there was so much heartbreak for years being a Cub fan. And I just seeing the Lions fans, I'm like, I know how that feels. That's, that's a terrible feeling. It's a, it's, it was a hard loss, you know, because I think it was because we had not been hopeful in so long. And then right as like everyone was on board and they were so close and they were good enough, they could have done it, right? Like they could actually have pulled this off and it just, those two missed opportunities and like you can't afford that right when you're this close you can't afford that so you know i i i hear people's grief about it especially for those people who are like i'm i'm i'll be i'll be totally frank i am a bandwagoner right if the if teams are doing well i'm not going to worry about dragging you through the mud but i'm also like not going to cheer for you until i see some hustle i'm from detroit I got hustle. I got hustle in a different way, right? Like once we pulled it together, I was on board. I was on board from like game one. We were at my stepdad's house, all of us, and uh, I was like, "They look good. They look like a. They look like an NFL team. This is this is kind of crazy. I mean, because that hasn't even happened in a long time, right? So, yeah. so yeah. I think I, I understand people's heartbreak, but also like, don't lose faith, man. We've gotten this far. These last couple of years have been good. I mean, they've they've been trying. And actually pushing further and further along since since Campbell's been in, it it's been a different team. And uh and this this empire that he's built, I don't think it's done yet. I can't wait till next year. I'm I'm here for it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, good luck to that next year. I mean, we know Thank the first ball here in Chicago, wait till next year, because we live by that <laughs> for, for many, many I mean, over a century we lived by that. So uh, yeah. 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 Moving uh, on from uh, from the football into music, we always start the same way. You are a yeah. first time guest, so we always ask the same first question every time we have a first okay. time. Guest. Just like every know. rock song has a hook that pulls you in, every rock fan has a moment that whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? <sighs> you know, I don't really think I. I always been a. a listener right and an active fan but i was like kind of i guess i didn't want it to be known that because i didn't feel cool enough for rock music for a long time right but um that's that's a whole another story i was like a weird kid and, and super shy and like come to find out now i found all my rocker homies and like everybody else here has that same story like we were all awkward kids it's kind of why we love rock music <laughs> um but for me, the the one moment that really broke me in and like 
hammered at home that I wanted to do this as a career path was um, 2005. My buddies and I played totally different group, totally different band. Um, but it was like my high school band that I was in. And we got to play the local stage at Warp Tour. And it was like a, like by local stage, I mean, it was like a couple of flats shoved into the corner all, all the way across the field and by where every, all the other big bands have like their merchandise, right? But what I didn't know and what I learned that day was that rockers show up and they are for real. Then people have been waiting in line since 9 a.m. And there's no other bands playing at 12.30 p.m. So they were ready. And by the time we got to like maybe the second song, I was so nervous. I was such a shy kid. You know, I like kind of like was looking at the floor trying to sing my songs. And I look up and there is 450 people probably at like a standstill. They were blocking the aisle away. And I I just tried something. I was like, just, I don't even know what came over me. It was just this like, a crazy sensation. And I went, hands up. And everybody went, yeah. It was, like, it was like, I was on top of the world. I was like, I can command armies in rock and roll. What have I been missing? I can't even get through my like high school hallways without feeling self-conscious. And then I get on stage and I can command armies. Yeah. I think I wanted to do this. <laughs> well, how, what led up to that? Like, what was the beginning for you? Was there a band, a singer, you know, a song that piqued your interest? Uh, it, like the biggest influence was definitely Amy Lee. I mean, when Fallen came out and they were doing Bring Me to Life, that was, um, I mean, that era, you got to remember for me in a band, and there wasn't a lot of women doing what we were doing. And um, there certainly wasn't um, as many female fronted bands as there are now, which I'm super proud of. I think that this, this genre has come a long way for that. And in that regard, but I had more, I had influences, but they weren't my generation, right? So I had like, you know, Joan Jett and then there was Benatar and there was all these really awesome women who were like trailblazers, but so many of them um, weren't my, weren't my generation and weren't my style of music, right? Because after that, there was still, you know, um, no doubt in the nineties and like the Gwen Stefani was killing it, but also like, it didn't sound that sounded more pop to me. That ska sort of punk angst wasn't wasn't what I was doing in my band. It was way more like Amy Lee comes through with this like goth rock, heavy music, super awesome, you know, down tuned like new metal, right? But she's got this soaring voice, and that really spoke to me. I was like, now that that I can picture. Um, so I think that was really powerful for me. Um, but bands that I kept singing along to were like Breaking Ben, Stained. Kill Switch Engage, um, early Kill Switch. Uh, who else? Definitely Lincoln Park Hybrid Theory. Like, I think everybody that is like born in the same era as me, that was like a huge influence, right? The guys in From Ashes to New have been talking about it, and and it, I've honestly been compared to them, and they and they own it. They own it so well. Um, but I, I definitely think Hybrid Theory was one that, like, when that came out, I was, you know, in like seventh grade listening to this super heavy band and like I was known as like a nerd kid and I didn't really feel like I fit in. I was also kind of like, you know, people would throw around terms like prude and different things. So I wasn't like a, like a burnout at all. I wasn't that cool. I didn't think I was like, you know, I definitely wasn't the kid that was like skipping class to go smoke cigarettes or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I, I didn't feel cool enough for rock music, but like I felt really heard when I listened to all of the lyrics that were done in such a wonderfully poetic way on hybrid theory. And there was just a lot of like, there was angst, but there was also like heartbreak. And there was like songs that were really powerful and inspiring, like, you know, about I'm not going to take this anymore kind of, kind of mentality. And I, I just felt like that was, there was such a range of emotions and I could get on board a lot more with that. It's interesting you say that. Cause I remember my, youth too as well i mean and how it translate with my with my with my son when he started getting into rock music when i was young i remember getting into hard rock and heavy metal in second grade because i had an older brother so mm -hmm. him and his friends would bring that music into the house and you know while my friends or people i went to school with were, were had their duran duran folders and all this stuff and nothing wrong with that music but i had like 
you know, the, the Walkman with the Motley Crue tape and the Judas Priest and the Maiden and oh, everything. Sure. Everybody thought I was so like, who is this kid, you know, who's like eight years old, you know, listening to all this music. And it just grew from there. And then fast forward to my son, who who's now, you know, his first year of college. He switched schools when he went into sixth grade and he got on the bus the first day and he had a motorhead shirt on and everybody thought he was a Satanist. They were like, this kid, like, you know, he's a Satanist. He's got this, you know, the, 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 the motorhead logo on it and everything. And he comes home. He's like, dude, everybody thinks I, I believe in Satan. And I go, why? He goes, cause of my shirt. I'm like, that's badass. You don't realize that, but that's badass. Like, Welcome to the family, kid. <laughs> yeah. And I go, here's the thing. I go, you're in sixth grade now. Everybody listens to rap. Everybody listens to pop music. By the time you're a sophomore in high school, everybody will be listening to what you're listening to. Trust me. And sure enough, like as time went on, more kids started listening to it. But yeah, it's always that one kid or a couple kids in the in the school that are just different, not you know, but just they have different tastes. They look at things differently. They they want something more from the art form. And and I always, you know, told my son, I'm like, it's okay to be into different stuff. Don't be a clone. Don't be just just go with everything. If you like something, live it, love it, do yeah. it. You know? so, it was so interesting because for me, I did, I found it much later. And that's why I kind of, I love that there are like multiple generations of this now that people can look on and see what their story was like. And some people found it very young. Like your story reminds me a lot of like, more of like my bandmates, like Chris and Ed were both kind of in that same camp and found their love of rock music super early. And Rob started picking up a guitar when he was a kid to learn Metallica, like was one of his biggest influences. And so I felt very uncool because that was not my story. My parents are way more hardcore than I was. Like I was the hero kid. I was like not a burnout kid. I was not a troublemaker. I was like super clean nose like the whole time. But my parents, and I think honestly it was because of my parents and what I was seeing when I was at home, my parents came from the eighties generation of burnout rock and roll. Like my dad was also like, they, they have their own respective mental health things that they deal with. And like my dad, RIP pops, you know, was like, he was introducing me to this music, but I also like my dad struggled with alcoholism and my parents were both heroin addicts at one time. And so like, it was, I knew so that other side of that where people call it devil music, right? Like my parents kind of lived a very not, not sanctioned lifestyle. And, but I was, I was listening to this when I was a kid. That was, that was who introduced me to rock music was my parents. I went to like Scorpions concerts with my parents. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I grew up on um, Led Zeppelin and Metallica. And, but for me, that, that wasn't something that I owned. That was my parents and their influence. And I loved them for it. And I embraced that music and I really cherished those memories, but it didn't feel like mine until new metal hit. So when I was, I, I was afraid that people were going to call me a poser, honestly. Like I backed out of my very first battle of bands when I was like in high school, because I was so afraid that everybody was going to call me a poser. Cause I wasn't the kid that was like wearing the branded band t-shirts and I didn't want to show up to the, like, you got that t-shirt on name five, name five songs questions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was so intimidated and then come to find out now that I'm doing music as we are and we're playing all these shows, like rockers are just sweethearts. They just want to, you know, I think they're very protective though of their culture. And I get why. Yeah. I think that's the thing too, that's resonated or did resonate with me and resonated with my son. And I saw that was when I took him to his first rock concert, I think he was mesmerized by, Oh my God, there's people chanting and singing and, and, you know, the synergy between the artists and the crowd, like there's nothing like that. There is nothing like that. And I always tell parents who, when I tell them I took my son to his first concert when he was five, they're like, Oh my God, really? I'm like, yeah, they're going to look at a lot of worse things on their phone than at a rock concert. And yeah. rock, rock and roll is a community, you know, live music is a community. And if you can tap into that and be a part of that, that kid will be fine because they'll have a community to kind of believe in and rely on. And, and um, I, you know, my parents were like hardcore Catholic. And I remember, getting Bark at the Moon by Ozzy Osbourne. And this has been such a uh, an amazing thing. Like watching Ozzy Osbourne evolve into this pop culture phenomenon. When I was a kid, to bring his music into my 
house. It was like covert ops. It was like a CIA classified operation and I had to hide it. I had to like, it could not be seen. You know, it was Gosh, like from totally different worlds. It's so funny. Like I grew up on, I'm like, sure. Ozzy's Sabbath. Yeah. I like grew up on that music. Like my yeah. parents were playing it. My mom was like blasting it when she was like vacuuming, <laughs> you yeah. know? So we just very different. Wow. What a different experience for sure. Right, <laughs> special I'm, ops to get it into your house because your mom's <laughs> gonna take it from you. <laughs> like it had to go, like the tape had to be hidden under the little break in the at the bottom of the shelf, you know. And then I had to pull it out with tweezers and everything, and you know, I had to listen to it with a head. I didn't listen to Ozzy just with the naked ear for probably seven years. Everything was headphones. <laughs> yeah, yep. it was. It was. Just, Can't let anyone know. Yeah, and then you know when she saw the number of the Beast album cover, it was like she took me to church and like. Made me say like novenas and everything, and it was just, um, it was a totally different Hail Marys did that take for you? <laughs> yes, you know? yes. Yeah. Like, she, she would say the rosary for me and my brother because of the music that I was, uh, we were listening to. It was, it was pretty funny. Oh, you know, what a, what, she really, she really wanted you to make sure that you were okay. <laughs> but isn't it interesting because, okay, so like I didn't find faith until later, and then like I know that you've probably seen we've, we've toured with like skillet you know for for all of their faith base and everything they are seriously like some of the coolest humans and some of the best stand-up not just performers but also like business people and like they really take care of their team and so i really honor that because um i think you know anyone who is considered like religious or a religious fanatic it's like a bad rap right because a lot of like the the sentiment is now when people find faith in god they're like you know you you don't employ that and your your people are so judgmental and so hateful right and it, it really sucks like for me as a person who has a faith base and um you know identifies as christian it's like i don't subscribe to those ideas either where there's a lot of like hateful rhetoric right but like it's the it's it's the moments where you you realize that like mom is praying for me and that, that like that's like cute you know what i mean but and it and it helps because they're not but you know the mark of the beast type of stuff that these like shock and awe campaigns are all throughout rock and roll. And like, that's, that doesn't necessarily, you know, that's not, that doesn't mean you're going to hell. <laughs> like I've never, I've never had that. I've never believed yeah. that. Like, you know, it's, clearly John Cooper is not, you know, he wouldn't even exist if that was a thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, I just don't, I don't think that, um, you know, that it is weird. It, it's weird what people will, will do and what people will use. And like people use religion to beat up on each other all the time. And that, that's not what it's about. And neither is rock and roll. Like that's, like you said, that inclusivity, that family kind of like rockers are very authentic people. They do not deal well with people who show up and fake whatever interactions you're having and whatever. Like if you show up to a rock show I think one of the most beautiful things is that people will tell me, like, I thought that this music was so different and so hateful. And I didn't realize that what you're doing is you're you're screaming together and raging against atrocities together. Like, it's some of the best humanity ever. <laughs> You'll never find a more honest moment, a more powerful moment. Like, the rock show is a real deal. Yeah, I, I believe in that. I mean... I don't think God sits up in heaven and, you know, you get up to the pearly gates and he's like, you know, you're a great person. You're a great father. You know, you did right by people. You treat people with respect, but man, that Iron Maiden album really bothers me. And, and you can't, that's, yeah. not, that's not what it is. Could you imagine if, yeah. if that actually happened? I think he would probably be ousting people for listening to Elvis at one point. That was like really, really like, Hey, that swip, that swivel hip thing he was doing, man, was all, all sexual terribleness, right? You're like, what do you mean? Like that's that's so sinful. And you're like, mm. <laughs> right? Now we've got people like Ozzy that are really pushing the envelope. So it's like, you know, we have to pay attention to what society is telling us and what culture is telling us and what like random other people believe. And like that's why I love rock music, right? The authentic nature of that just says dig deep. Investigate. See what you believe. See what feels right. See what also like not just feels right, but like does this show up in your life consistently? And like, there's so many other, like I could, I could go on for hours about the psychology behind it and like, you know, what, whatever that looks like, but it, it is really, um, it's, it's such an undeniable thing. I think everything is based on authenticity 
you know, whether you're Christian, Catholic, atheist, whatever, agnostic, as long as you stay true to who you are and you're a good person, you know, just because you're a Christian doesn't make you a good person. Just because you're an atheist doesn't make you a bad person. It's just how you totally. treat people and your, your belief system and your faith system is really, is really kind of your fingerprints of your soul. Like, and yes, there are, and, and of course, whatever the case is, you know, whether you're left or right, Christian or non-Christian, the, the, the driving narrative is they will take the extreme in every case and promote it as a, a, an example of everyone as who's part of that. And that's not the case, you know, that's not, that's not the case. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, I think it's sad that people do that or sad that, you know, people drive the narrative, but I also think it's also sad that people believe that too. Like people pick up on that and they go with that because a lot of times people don't understand what they're believing in and what they're being told maybe is not really true. Like, you know, you have these big, you have these big mega churches, right? That the the people that have these mega churches have mansions and private planes. And like, well, that's not really what this is about. Like, this is like, it's obvious what they're doing, right? It's, it's totally obvious. But then there are people. Yeah. And how many times do they pass that plate? Where is that money coming from? Right. Is that coming from the congregation? Is that why you have 1200 seats in your building? Right. Cause mm-hmm. that's not, that's not the way either. You know, yeah. well, it's, yeah, it's really good to, you know, and I mean, it, if you, if you really pare it down in the Bible, it does, there's a verse that says question everything. So like, even, even in those cases, like you should be questioning things because not everybody that says that that's right. I mean, there's so many, I mean, in the Bible you read, not everybody that calls me Lord, Lord, right? Because some people just wave this around. They just, they just, they fake it like this or they promote it like this. And so I I agree with you. I think it's very divisive. I think it's very hateful. I think there's a lot of rhetoric, even outside of religion, that is really harmful to people. You know, like there's a lot of, um, even, you know, women have this sort of bra burn toward culture again, and they're raging against men who've been abusive and hateful and right but then you've got guys that are saying well not all of us are bad dudes right and you're like this is that's important that's important it's important that both sides are sharing like women are saying i have been hurt and and guys are saying i hear you but it's not everybody right and so that's that's an important connection but what you can't do is you can't say this is all of them and so now i hate an entire group of humans because I think that they're all like this. That's that's what's not okay. Yeah, and I think that is you know, people don't understand nuance. And without with with every situation, there are multiple anth- answers, and there's multiple truths. There isn't just one. And yeah. and I think people have to understand that that you know if you understand that nuance and you and you just accept people for who they are. And guess what? You know whether you're whoever you are, you're going to make mistakes, whether you believe or yeah. whether you don't believe. And that doesn't. That doesn't, you know, mean that everything that they believe in is not true or everything they don't believe in is not true. It's just they make mistakes. We all make mistakes. We are humans. That's the, where the phrase come from. We, we do the, you know, we, we are not, we are imperfect people. Yeah. Well, and that's what I love about, and I, I think there's, there's one caveat to the, the thing that I'll say, uh, that, that you mentioned, which is, you know, no absolute truth, right? Because when you do pare it down, like we all are human, we all do bleed red. Like that is fact. Right. So, but when we get to the rock show, I think that's why it's so beautiful to me is because that is what matters. Right. All of those other nuances that we also like out in the real world, people want to fight about, people want to argue about, people want to make it a problem. Right. It doesn't have to exist here. It can be like somebody asked me to describe our band not long ago. I think it was our lawyer, actually. It was like a pretty important person in our camp. I was like, we're rock and roll with a hug. I just, I just want to hug people. Like, I just want to, I think it's so terrifying that there isn't more love. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. For less reasons, I guess, in our world right now, like people are like, oh, I'm I hate you for no reason. I can love you for no reason. I think, I don't know if it was like Mama Tot on like TikTok that said that or like who was that said that, but I was like, that's real. I love that. I don't need a million reasons to love on somebody. Like if you're here and we exist in the same space or we're like, you know, I don't know, we went to the same movie or we listened to that one song together or like we were at the same rock show, like then there, there is some thread that exists there. I don't even care if it's just you're a complete stranger on the side of the street and we bleed red. Like we should, that should mean something. You know, I think that there's value in human life. I think that there's value in other people as they, just because they live and breathe. That's it for no other reason, right? Like when you show me that there's a reason for me to fear you or to, to not like you, then, then that's one thing. And you know what? I got healthy boundaries. My healthy boundaries are intact. I can step away from that person, right? Whatever it is that you're doing that I don't like, I don't need to worry about. I'm going to go about my day and about my business. And if if if, you, if it's illegal what you did, I'm going to report it and then go about my day, right? Like there's there's an appropriate way to handle things. But um, for me to just say, oh, well, that, that one person in that one situation gives me license to hate an entire group of people, that's not what it's about. And that's, you know. That's why I think music is so powerful, right? You can you can put all that nuance out there. And then the people that gravitate to you, it's because they they maybe agree or they at least hear what you're saying. There's something that's valuable there. There's communication that happens. With all the different backgrounds and different cultures that exist at a rock show, a concert, like there's every there's there's representatives from every corner of culture. I often think that the world would be a better place if it was just one giant rock concert. Everybody's everybody's enjoying themselves, each other, singing along, rocking out. And it's like, I don't know why people don't realize that that exists. Like we talk about our divisions in this country. We talk about divisions globally. And it's like, yes, that is definitely true. But it's like, but we all come together when we're we're sitting next to each other at a rock concert. We're sitting next to each other at a football game. We're we're enjoying the same things, yet we disagree on how things could be done. And that's a reason to to hate each other. I don't understand that. And if the world was just one big giant rock concert, I think the world would be so peaceful. 
it'd be better off, I think for sure. You know, I, I think there is also like a really, uh, maybe a dangerous, I'll call it a dangerous narrative that exists out there. It's like, if you're not hating on other people, somehow that means that you're not enlightened or you must be naive. You don't know what's going on here, you know, in order for you to be positive or, um, or kind, it, it somehow means that you are, you know, like, you're not paying attention, right? And I don't, that's not, real that's not true um i know that there are bad things that exist here i know that there are bad humans i know that somebody might even take advantage of my kindness but like i don't have to walk around with that this is just me in my own comfortability and my own power just sort of walking around this planet like yeah i know it's dangerous out there i'm like i'm cautious but i'm also just i'm not going to be hiding from it i'm also not going to be hateful in order to put up put up shields at every turn like that seems paranoid you know what I mean? Like also victim, victim culture is a real thing. And like, I, I understand that people will try to do really bad things, but I, I don't need to constantly guard against that and walk around. Like that's always going to happen to me because I surround myself with like, in my own power, I'm confident. I also surround myself with people who build me up. Um, our team for this band has been incredible. Um, that includes people at all levels. Like, there and that's not to say that we have not been without our really really difficult moments because being a new band during the pandemic was anything but easy <laughs> you know what i mean like that's laughable like for us to sit here and think that those moments were were easy or were kind at all but like i'm not going to allow that to color the rest of my days i'm not going to allow that to um be how i view the rest of the world um it's it's almost like me having like this comfortability in my life is just like it's because I want it and I deserve it, so I take it and I don't allow fear to hold me back. It's almost like I'm I'm very indignant about it. I'm very like in spite of everything that's going on here, why I walk around like this. <laughs> you know, like you gotta be bold in, in choosing love and choosing kindness because it's it ain't easy out here. That's true. One of my favorite phrases in life is those who speak the loudest know the least. Mm. And it's so true because, you know, the people that need to yell about things typically don't know the nuances that we just talked about. You know, they believe in that one thing. And that one thing is what is in their opinion, what is for all. And that's just not the case. And, and uh, I heard that phrase, gosh, 20 years ago. And every time I hear someone you know, with this big giant opinion, it always rings true, right? It always mm -hmm. like, well, you're not considering this and you're not considering other things. And, and yeah, I think if people understood that more and realized that more, um, I think people would have a different perspective is just because someone yells the loudest doesn't know they mean everything. No. And, and whatever it is that you believe too, right. You'll find a way to believe it. You will find, you will start taking things out of context and grabbing for other things that confirm what you believe, right. It's that, that confirmation bias. That's a real, that's a real thing, right. So what you believe and what you, um, what you put out there into the universe, it's very powerful. That's part of the reason why I think I also landed not just in music, but also in therapy and in psychology. <laughs> I am a therapist with a therapist also we'll have that known and on record. Um, so it, but it is, it's our mind is a very powerful tool, a very powerful organ. Um, I've also heard there's a lot of really cool studies now where people are like water is what makes up our body and it resonates water resonates. And um, I think that's really meaningful too, when you consider what we give our body, right. And, um, and the way that it's going to, either heal or not right what we what we say in our mind about like believe about ourselves, believe about the world our body feels that and keeps score and keeps record and that's what it resonates and resounds back to you what you give it right so it's a, it's a really crazy thing to to think about um the perception of reality right so um but i i love rock music for for all of the different things that it can bring back to us like when you i think that's why it's so powerful when we're standing there all together at the rock show and we're screaming together we're not screaming together we're raging against what we've been through together and that feels like unheard i've understood these people get it i feel known i feel seen that's so powerful 
and you could be amongst a thousand strangers and feel that way. It's like crazy what music can do. That is amazing. You know, get, getting back to what you said early about, you know, your parents and the struggles they had. And I, I believe that going through challenges and having struggles in life gives you perspective and maybe a different perspective than someone who maybe had the minimal challenge. Challenges. Everybody has challenges, but, you know, facing that at a young age and growing up with that, I think, do you believe that it did change your perspective on kind of the wholeness of life? And in turn, does that impact your perspective when you write music? I absolutely think it, it affected the way I view the world, the way that I view myself. I think it's also changed over time, not just what I learned from my upbringing, but also the way that I have come to understand it in adulthood and what it, what it meant for me, even at different points. Um, my parents were very good at certain things and very bad at other things. And um, I think that what they were good at was loving each other and loving myself and my brother through all of it. They were a little bit, um, I think at some points that was also like a toxic environment because it was like family above all else, which meant keeping secrets that we should not have had to. Um, don't tell anybody because they'll tear us apart, right? Um, and that that's that's the drugs talking. Um, but I I kind of it's a re- it's a really strange thing for me to say, but I think I lucked out in some ways because my parents were trying to do better for themselves and do better for us kids when we were young. My brother actually has probably a very different experience than I had because my parents were able to keep it together until I was about nineteen. But my brother was seven years younger than me. And so for most of his young life, that was a struggle when he was in his very vulnerable, impressionable moments from the ages of like 10 years of age to like 16, right? For him, that was a really different time frame. Um, so I, I do think, though, that my experience was, um, and maybe even just because of my temperament, right? As a kid, I was I was kind of a people pleaser. I really wanted to be like, you know, showboaty. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Now I'm the freaking lead singer in a rock band. Like I'm still showboaty. I'm a peacock. I just know it. It's just, yeah, I don't know. My husband knows that. It is what it is. Um, and, and it's done well for me so far. It's done well for us so far. I also just like to love on people. Um, so I show up how I am because I, I learned to love myself from a very early age. And I think that that was really powerful for me. But I learned what also could be dangerous. I know I learned that family above all else when your family is like toting guns and drugs is that's not normal. That's not okay. And it took me a while. It, it sounds really strange to say, but like that took me a long time. I would have friends of mine come over to my house and they'd be like, did your dad just go outside and do, what was that? And I was like, what do you mean? They were like, his friend just pulled up and laughed. It was weird. I was like, uh, I don't know. I think he owed him some money. Like from what? And I was like, Oh, <laughs> like, like that's weird. You know what I mean? And, and my, my, my parents would like freak out when my friends would go in like to their bedroom and like put their coat on their bed. And I was like, yeah, you can't be in my parents' room. And they were like, what? why? Like, I can't leave my coat. I was just going to leave my coat. Like if it's the winter time and they're coming over to play, like a lot of other parents would be like, Oh yeah, just go in my room, put your coat on the bed. It's fine. You know, I was like, you're allowed in your parents' room? Well, it's because my parents had shit in there that you shouldn't be privy to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can't find that. That's, that's a bad day. Um, so it was it was a strange thing for me to come around. I think my naivety and my fear saved me a little bit. But what that did was, like, through my adult years and through my adolescent years, I was not a risk taker because I wasn't held down. I was exposed to that when I was younger and I was given a choice and my parents would tell me look I don't give a fuck what your friends do but when you do it it's going to be a different thing like you can't because you know this is what it looks like when your friends are screwing up and this is what it looks like when somebody's bringing drugs to the party and this is what it looks like when you know and like if you ever need me to come and pick you up from somewhere you call us because you know that your friends are going to screw up so like that level of honesty I think really spoke to me 
not just in the rock world, but because of my family and my upbringing, they were honest about all of that. So I, I do think that I could, I could authentically be me and I was loving me for me. And I was aware of my surroundings from a young age. And I think that helped me because I was never um, sheltered from that as a kid. And I met other young people in high school and in college and who had been like, you know, warded off from all of this, right? Their experience was like very different than mine. And they, they struggled and they stumbled into areas that were really dark places for them because they went wild, you know? started sleeping around, started experimenting, started doing all of that. I was, I was not about that. And I think it had a lot to do with the trajectory of things in my household, right? Because I saw how things could get out of control fast. Um, and other people just did not have that fear. They had never been exposed, right? So their, their experience was different. And I think now, because I know what I can get away with in a responsible manner, right? I, I go out on tour and like those, those same, the pull to the drugs and the pull to the nightlife and the pull to the drinking constantly and the pull to, that doesn't exist for me. I mean, I went out on tour for our first tours and I started like kind of seeing that I was, yeah, you, you could drink daily, easily, right? And it's available to you for free all the time, right? <laughs> like, but I, I saw that, first of all, my body does not put up with that. I didn't find this as an 18 year old kid. I found this in my thirties and people will tell you, and you probably know <laughs> when you try to drink at 19 and when you try to drink at like 26 to 28 to 30 ish, that, that your body responds differently <laughs> and for good reason. Right. So I got a three drink maximum. That's it. That's all she can take. My stomach won't hate me. I drink the same thing because I know what I like. That's it. We don't experiment. We don't play around. And I have a good time. And it's, it's, I, I've often called myself PG 13 as a person, yeah, as a human. <laughs> like that's my speed. <laughs> you I, know, I, that's I, it. <laughs> I think back of the days when I was younger, you know, drinking a case of beer by myself, 19, 20 years old. And now, you know, being 49, I don't even know if I can get past two drinks. You know, just because I feel like I got hit by a bus the next day. And, uh, and then I'm, you know, if I'm, I'm completely, you know, unproductive for like two, three days after I have two drinks, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I can also honor that other people who like found themselves in that really dark spot for a while and now they just can't have it at all. Like I'm totally here for that too. Like let's just grab coffee. Let's get, you know, some kind of like a little snack and we'll sit out by the water or whatever. Or we'll just go to take a walk and find something normal to go do, right? Like there's a lot of cool um, arcade things and different other stuff. There's ways to hang on tour where you can still be part of it and not be drinking. Like, and I love those people because they they create an example for other people who've lost their way as well. And they don't they don't have my speed. They can't do a three drink maximum because if they have one, then they'll have it'll be blackout and that's it. You know. So like everybody's kind of got to understand themselves a little bit. And I think through those trials that you were talking about, you learn about yourself. I know we got to wrap up soon, but I do want to ask you about the, your music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We should. Uh -huh. Yeah. We, the psychology behind touring was well, we got to, but <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's fine. It's great. I always love when a conversation veers off into something different than, than, uh, than the norm. And I think I, I do appreciate that. Um, I know you were in the studio, uh, over the last couple of weeks and you've got some new music. When can your fans expect new music from Eva under fire? I can say soon because on um, the first, so here's why I say soon. Usually it takes a while to write a new record. Right? And this was our first writing trip, but we had a magical experience with a brand new person we'd never worked with before. And it was everything like the vibes, the songs, everything. So I'm really excited. And uh, everybody on our team is excited. And the way that we were just kind of clipping along and writing like one session was one song. The next session was the next song. The next session, like it was, it was, it was really cool. So the pace to me, if that keeps up, um, will be soon. Um, but that's still, that's going to take a couple months at least at minimum. So um, don't worry, we're not going away. 
because we always uh we like hanging out with everybody too much so we're definitely still playing shows and we have some cool things coming up we're going to be at welcome to rockville this year and we're going to play um two shows we have back-to-back shows in may in michigan so that'll be fun so be looking out for those um i think all that stuff's on our website as well um but i also have and this is just something in the pipe i haven't even talked to my team about this yet but my manager thinks it's a cool idea and we were able to do it when we were out in LA, which is a new fun collab that I was I was um, asked to be featured on a song. So hopefully that'll be released and tide you over <laughs> until we can get new Eva Under Fire stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a fun year. It's already lined up really great. Uh, the first thing out the gate was writing trips, and now the second thing out the gate is ship rock. Oh, I can't wait to be warm. I'm, I, we're literally leaving this week. We're going to be on the ship with um, some really cool bands. We're going to get to hang with the Formation to New guys. Um, hopefully, catch up with the Point North guys. Um, hopefully, catch um, who else do we have on the boat? Oh, I really want to see Dorothy this year because she oh, just chef's kiss. Um, then, then. I think we're going to come back. We're going to really hit it. We're going to do some more writing and, uh, and get you guys some music. You're not going to believe it. It's, it's literally, it is, it is edgy and honest in a way that we have not been yet. So I can't wait for people to hear it. Dorothy's a great artist. She's been on the show a, a couple times. Uh, when you yes. think, yeah, when you think of your music and this writing session and what's been going on with the band over time, are you happy with the evolution? Are you happy where the band is at in its state of creating and, and the journey that, that, that it takes on when you do start to create new music? Yeah, honestly, I'm really proud of us. I really am. As a team, we've been through a lot. We've kind of like, you know, as a band, we've been through a lot, people individually and also just collectively together. It's not easy to go out there and do this. And if you're doing it for money, you're in the wrong business because <laughs> it takes a long time and um i think what i'm most proud of is that like no matter what we've come through we have come through it we've almost broken up a couple times along the way i think most bands would also have that same story um particularly because we don't have this is not a hired situation i've been playing with these guys since we were you know kids in the bar <laughs> scene you know um, so we've known each other for a long time. We've worked together for a long time. We've written a ton of music together. And I think that this new album, with the example that I have of like these, particularly the, the three demos that we came away with that we were really excited about, I was like, you guys, this is, this is next level. Like we have come through all of that stuff. Um, we have found ourselves as writers, I think. And I, I, I would say that's what shines through the most. Um, because once you give somebody good bones, you know, like now they can take it and they're, what you can create is, is endless, you know, it's, it's take it to the stars, you know? Um, and that's supposed to be how it is, right? When you get somebody who's a producer or that and they elevate what you're doing, um, they should be adding to, right? Not directing, not beating you over the head, not telling you exactly like how it's going to go. Right. But when you found that magic, um, and I think that's what we found during these during this creative process, the newness of it, right? Because every time you get done with a, uh, an album cycle, a tour cycle from an album that you release, right, there is a closure to that, and there's a beginning for something else. And that beginning can be stressful because it's like, okay, are we going? Where are we going to go? How are we different than when we started the last album to this album? And when you're creating, as a result of that. In, in, in this specific instance, when you're when you begin the process for the band, for you, how is it different than before? Oh, we were scared. <laughs> we we were scared because you know we're we're a garage band, and so we like hang out together, write together a lot when we're not super busy or when we have the time to be home. Right. Well, the thing is, is we haven't been home. We've been very busy with touring and like good problems, right? But also like we hadn't had time to figure out like a plan for this next record. Right. So I think that was, it was powerful for two 
different reasons. Um, firstly, because individually we were all kind of working on riffs and different other things that we could bring to the table. So it was kind of authentically us, right? It didn't even have time to reach getting into the jam space and like, let's all work on it together, see how it comes out. Cause that, that is also a process that will change those ideas, right? Um, so we came with raw ideas, right? I had lyrics to a metronome. I had several ideas that I was really excited about, but had never really worked on. Um, I hadn't even worked on with the guys, right? Cause there was no time to present that. Um, so we just kind of came together in the studio and we were like, this is what we, what we individually have. Right. And and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. And I know that's a part of it. That's a part of the process is you just have to be really like patient with yourself in a space that is forcing you to create, which is a weird conundrum, right? Because like this is your job to make a song. And yet you have to be it's almost opposite of what you're expected to do at like a normal job where like it's efficiency and you have like this plan of action and there's like all these job descriptions and this is like you're ticking everything off of the list that's not how songwriting goes <laughs> right um so you just have to show up and be like all right well uh what what's it gonna what's it gonna be like today what ideas do we have what feelings do we have what direction do we want to go and it's very broad strokes right should it be heavy should it be should it be sweet you know like are you are you are you like reminiscent about certain things is it dreamlike is it memories is it what what path are we taking or is it anger is it is it um anger is it um is it love are we talking about relationships right what do we, and i found that it was really cool this time around because i came to the table with lyrics that i really loved and many times how we would start that conversation was what are we feeling? What is the story? And I was ready, you know, because I had those ideas. And so uh, taking into a space where we can then like go without in a professional way and at a lower volume where we could all hear what was happening and we could add layers and we could just, right? That really got the ball rolling in a cool way. Um, when you're in a room and everybody's cranked up, you know, it's hard to like, you gotta like wave your arm really high if you want to stop what people are doing and redirect where the song is going. Um, and this was not, this was less interruptive. And I think that because of that, we, we were able to get somewhere faster. Right? So that even just being able to be heard and understood and kind of all have a conversation about what the song needed um, helped that efficiency, right? So we were able to, we were just kicking them out, <laughs> which is cool. That's awesome. Well, Eva, I appreciate the conversation. I uh, yeah. thank you very much for taking the time and coming on. Hope to do it again when the when the new music does come out. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. We're it's, it's going to be a, a really cool drop. So, uh, so this year we're expecting some new stuff from me. So, so go run up all of the other albums that we were doing before because we've got a lot of music out there. <laughs> and then by the time you learn all that stuff, we'll have new stuff to you. <laughs> That's awesome. Absolutely, everyone. That is Eva Marie with Eva Under Fire. All. The band's information will be in the show notes with this episode. So when you're listening, click on those links and it'll lead you right where you need to go um, and look up their music and look up what they're about. Great band from from Detroit, Michigan, Detroit Rack City. And uh, pleasure having Eva on. I'm Jay Scott. This has been another episode of the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock me podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. Stay safe. Take care of each other. And we will talk soon. Thank you.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.